to welcome you to this edition of Major Health Tips in Digestible Bites. And today I thought it would be a good idea to address curbing carb cravings. Say that three times fast and see how you do. But I wanted to help you understand a little bit why you crave carbohydrates and maybe give you two or three tips to help you win your curb carb cravings battle. So I know a little bit about craving carbs. Um, I grew up in a family where my mom was a terrific baker. And, you know, we had dessert every night. I mean, when dad came home from working in Boston, um, in the door, and he would ask the first question, what's for dinner? And the second question would be, what's for dessert? And we had dessert every night, and it was delicious. We had brownies and cookies and cake and pies and all kinds of things. And it was wonderful. But we ate a ton of sugar. I remember when we, and we craved sugar, too. I remember going out to dinner, which was, we didn't do it that often, but it was usually Howard Johnson's and the next town over, and we usually had fried clams, and we would make, put in our order, and we would sit there, and we would beg my mother to let us eat the sugar cubes that were in a sugar bowl on the, the table. And she would let us have one or two, and then that was it. But we would bug her, so she would finally tell us, this is kind of gross, but this is how she got us to stop bugging her. Um, she would finally say, no, if you eat too much sugar, you'll get worms. Don't ask me why in the world she said that, but it worked, and we would stop bugging her because we didn't want to get worms. So we had sugar. We had dessert every evening, but we had sugar on just about everything. We had sugar on our cereal. We had it on a grapefruit. We ate it on tomatoes. Um, we drank Zarex and lemonade. We weren't allowed really, 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 really sweet, obviously sweet sugar uh, cereals like Sugar Pops and um, sugar smacks, which I craved. We weren't allowed those. Um, Hostess snowballs, though, that with that, that marshmallow coating that was total sugar, we weren't allowed those either. And that was a bummer. But, um, you know, we had... We had a lot of sugar, and I had a lot of cavities, too. Spent a lot of time at the dentist. But um, we all have challenges with with avoiding uh, simple carbs. So today we know that sugar and simple carbohydrates just aren't good for us. In fact, simple carbohydrates rapidly turn to sugar. Some of the most um, highly processed foods, like just think of Wonder Bread and how soft that is. There's absolutely nothing to it. Something like that, that's that consistency and that, that, that is that highly processed, that can turn to sugar before you even swallow it. So just be mindful of that. You want to have things that have some substance to them, that have fiber to them. Now, first of all, It's important to understand why we crave carbohydrates because we have an epidemic of diabetes and obesity in this country. And diabetes used to be a disease uh, that would hit adults. Now it's affecting sugar. It's affecting um, children, and it's about all the sugar that we're eating. So there is... um, it's important to understand the why. So there's a hormone in our body, bodies and it's called leptin. And the level of this hormone can actually make us crave carbohydrates or not. Leptin's job is to keep us from starving. 
And its job is to tell us when we're full and to stop eating. But if you have eaten so many carbohydrates and so much sugar that you mess up your leptin, your brain does not get the message that you're full. You have leptin resistance. And this means that leptin is being secreted, but it's not being recognized by your brain. So you get cued to keep eating. So one school of thought when you're really struggling with cravings is a way to um, trick leptin into working with you when you're trying to lose weight. Now, some pundits suggest eating a cheat meal, one cheat meal a week, that is high in carbohydrates and high in fat. Now, that doesn't mean that you head for McDonald's and get a burger and fries and, you know, a Coke or anything like that. It means that you're going to eat healthy carbs and healthy fat. That's what should be on your plate. So instead of the burger and fries, you might be looking at a hamburger. Okay, that's fine. Or a piece of steak or a piece of chicken. And you might be eating, looking at a sweet potato instead of french fries. So something that's going to have some substance and some fiber. Now, I don't advocate dieting, but I know a lot of people do do it. So when you're dieting, you want to give your diet one, one meal of break, if you will, a week. And this cheat meal gives you a break from the dieting, and it also gets your leptin level back to normal so you continue to burn fat. Now, you might put a little bit of weight on from this meal, but mostly it will be water weight, and that's a lot easier to lose than the fat that you're trying to burn off uh, with the normalizing of your leptin levels. So remember to eat a diet with good quality, uh, lean protein, and healthy fiber-rich carbs. Now, I also wanted to mention, since I mentioned losing water weight, when you are trying to lose weight, whether it's a diet or just moving to a healthier eating lifestyle, which is what I advocate, I think it's more sustainable. But you know how you you get started and you're all gung-ho and you lose weight. Maybe you lose three, five, seven pounds the first week and you are so excited. And then you hit the dreaded plateau. I want to help you reframe the dreaded plateau because it's not the dreadful thing that we think it is. It's just not. And what happens is when you are starting to lose weight, what you're losing is water weight. And that's easier to lose, as I mentioned before, than actual fat. So what you need to do is when you hit the dreaded plateau, it's cause for celebration because the easy stuff is done. And now you're starting to lose what you're trying to lose in the first place, which is fat. You're trying to lose fat. So don't don't be upset with the dreaded plateau. Embrace the dreaded plateau and, and just know that that means that you're starting to do the work that you want to do. Let's talk about trigger foods for a minute. We all have them. Potato chip, ice cream, pizza, chocolate chip cookies. They're all wonderful. They're all delicious. We love them, but they don't love us back. Now, for me, it was peanut M&M's. Man, I could disappear a large bag of those babies in an afternoon. I was really, really good at rationalizing that the peanuts provided protein to offset the sugar, too. And that crunch, when you crunch through that candy coating on the outside of the chocolate that leads to the peanuts, I can still taste them, even though I don't eat them anymore. But the bags got bigger and bigger and bigger until one day I bought the Costco-sized bag, and I said, this is... <laughs> This has got to stop, and I did make some changes. And that's a whole other longer story, so let's focus just on this for you now. So 
I, I advise deciding what your trigger foods are and writing them down. Avoid them if you can, but if you get stuck and you have to have them, let's talk about some suggestions for taming the beast and handling it a little bit better. So the first is decide how much of the trigger food you are going to eat and stick to it. I really advocate eating mindfully. Even if you eat something that's not in your best interest, be aware of it, acknowledge it, eat mindfully. So never eat out of the box or the bag. Always put out a serving on a plate and put the rest away. Put it far away. And addressing that pattern interrupt is really important when you're making changes with eating patterns. And that means if you automatically go to the cupboard and you get the box of chocolate chip cookies, put it in a different cupboard. Put it in a place that's hard to get to. to Put it in the trunk of your car. I mean, the the best thing is don't buy it. But if you're going to buy it, put it somewhere where it's really inconvenient, where you have to stop and think about what you're doing. You have to put your shoes on. If it's winter, you have to put a coat on to go out to the car, to the trunk of the car. They'll be frozen, so you have to defrost them. So you get the idea. Make it hard for yourself. And the next thing is, as I mentioned, eat mindfully. Don't shovel food, no matter what kind of food it is. Don't shovel food in your mouth while you're watching TV or checking your email. If you must have the food that doesn't love you back, enjoy it, and be aware of eating it. Chew it slowly and carefully and don't bolt it down. If you really eat slowly and mindfully, you'll also be less apt to go for seconds or thirds. And if you concentrate on how it tastes to you, you may also notice if you've been eating better that it doesn't taste as good as you thought it tasted. For instance, I I found when I stopped eating sugar, I mean, I still have it occasionally, but things that tasted sweet to me and good sweet kind of taste bitter. It's, it's a different taste and it's not as good as it used to taste. And you might think that'll never happen for me. Trust me. It will happen for you if you just stick with it. Next on the um, suggestions, eat the best, healthiest version of whatever it is you're going to eat. For instance, if you must have cookies, have organic cookies. And organic doesn't necessarily mean it's great, but it's probably a better version of what you're going to have. Eat organic cookies without preservatives or artificial sweeteners. And even if you disappoint yourself after you eat the trigger food, the disappointment will be tempered by the fact that you chose a less deadly version of that food. Here's another example. If you must have potato chips, choose potato chips that are cooked in a better oil. Now, generally, those tend to be in a smaller bag. And so you'll have less of them, but you won't have the the less desirable oil like canola oil. Canola oil is not healthy for you. Cottonseed oil is not, first of all, cotton is not a food. So that's not good in any shape or form. Um, Sunflower oil, safflower oil, those are all more inflammatory than olive oil and avocado oil or coconut oil. And they have higher smoke points. uh, coconut, avocado, and uh, coconut, I'm sorry, coconut, avocado, and olive oil have higher smoke points, and they're less inflammatory than oils like canola, vegetable oil, cottonseed oil, safflower, sunflower, and so on. So if you buy a bag of chips that is cooked in um, olive oil or avocado oil, it's still a processed food. It's still not your best choice, but it's a better choice. And I always say you don't have to be perfect at this. You just need to be better. 
Just move in the right direction. Another suggestion, find a substitute for your trigger food. So if you're craving salty potato chips, maybe have a, a few salted cashews instead of the, the bag of potato chips. And if you're dying for those peanut M&Ms like I used to love, have a piece or two of a 70% or greater chocolate bar. That's what I do now. If I feel like something, I'll just have a piece of 70 or 72% chocolate. It won't take much to satisfy your craving, and you'll be much happier with yourself in the long term. In fact, some people find that if they just smell something sweet, that will kind of tamp down their cravings. So you might try that as well. So last on my suggestion list is to keep a journal of what you eat. Sometimes it really helps to look at your food intake on paper. You think you'll remember everything that you eat. Trust me, you won't. So keep keep a journal. And if you'd like me to send you a food journal, journal you I will send you one for nothing for free. Email me, Cheryl, at Thin, Strong, Healthy, and just have the title be Food Journal. Just ask me to send it to you, and I will get that to you so that you can start keeping track of what you're eating. Always remember, food is medicine. It can kill you or cure you, and it's in your long-term best interest to slay your dragons and get your carboholic impulses under control. And again, once you get past a certain point, if you stay strong enough to get there, and it might not be a straight line, you might do well and then fall back and do well and fall back because life happens. Stresses happen. So be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. But if you stay strong enough to get there, the junk food that used to control your life won't even taste that great anymore. Really, I promise. It's true. I found that too. And, and another thing that I have to share with you, I mean, for me, um, when I changed how I eat, I lost my chronic depression. I got depressed when I was 12 years old, and I lived that way for decades and decades and decades, on and off antidepressants, just dragging myself around, trying to get out of bed, trying to hide it. Um, so... If you get to the point where you start to feel so much better, you will not want to risk feeling the way you felt before. I can tell you that. I promise you that is my experience from, personal, from my own personal journey. And it doesn't mean you have to be perfect all the time. You can have a peanut M&M or five every once in a while. It just can't be all the time. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at how much better you will feel. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, curbing your carb cravings is really important because when we when we lose the battle with that, it does several things. It disappoints us. We get disappointed in ourselves. We lose patience. I mean, I, I have a, a coaching client, and she says, "I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so good." And then I'll just have a stressful day, and I just I just go off the rails, and I eat whatever I want, and I get so angry with myself that I just throw in the towel. And I just, I give up. I don't want you to give up. This is a process. It's moving toward a healthy eating lifestyle. It is not a temporary diet that is unsustainable. It is moving one thing that's not so great off your plate and replacing it with something else. And then the next week doing it with something else. And it's a gradual process. I know you can do this because I've done it and I've helped many other people do it. So, again, um, please check out um, thinstrongheathy.com. That is my main blog. And you are welcome to all the recipes that are there. Um, my book, 
uh, Eat Your Blues Away is on Amazon. And you're also always welcome to email me, Cheryl, at thinstronghealthy.com. This has been this podcast edition of Major Health Tips in Digestible Bites. You take care, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.